Well then, dear friends in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So, we're now in that first week of the Red Letter Challenge. So, how's it going? Thumbs up? Thumbs down? Okay, good. I'm seeing thumbs up. Well, are you keeping up with it? Is it working out? But, you know, as, uh, as I was kind of going through all of this and thinking about this, again, my mind keeps coming back to the fact that this is a challenge, right? This is not supposed to be easy for you. You're supposed to struggle and fight through some of these things. Of course, there's some of them that are going to be very easy, right? When we uh, looked at that week of being, right, worship, I think, is pretty easy because, well, church is scheduled a time. Church has hired musicians, has hired a pastor. We have an, a beautiful church to do worship in. Like, worship's kind of one of the easy challenges to do. But what about the other ones, right? It might be kind of a challenge. So like I said at the beginning of the service, I, I think it's, it's really helpful for us to kind of focus on the most challenging aspect of this. But again, in, in thinking about this righteousness, this, this being with God, I keep coming back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. This is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount kind of thing, right? Right before our, one of our gospel readings for this evening, where Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness, righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Right? Be careful. In being, we struggle with this, right? You, you get... Uh, you feel pride in what you're doing. If you do good, it feels good. And, and sometimes that pride is, is perfectly fine, perfectly well-placed. I am proud that God is working through me. I am proud that I get to be a part of this church. I am proud of the things that I get to do that is, is for the, the work of the kingdom that God is giving to me to do. But that pride also has another side to it, right? You know, we're, we run that risk of being so proud of ourselves that it stops from turning to focus on the joy that God has given us and, and the new life that God has given us into then how others are looking at us, right? Matthew 6, 1, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Be careful. Because really what's happening is we skate a line. We take pride in the fact that we are sitting in worship when we could be doing anything else. I'm proud when I stop and I read the, read the Bible instead of, you know, zoning out with the, a game on the computer or something like that. I, I take a little bit of pride in that. I, I push myself to be more in God's Word. I, but yet there's that pride that's a hard line to skate because... You might even be hearing me and go, look at this guy. He's, he's, you know, inflating his ego like he needs a bigger head already. He's got such a big head. He's so proud of himself. And so all he talks about is himself, right? It's a difficult line that we skate. Because also a part that I'm wrestling with is the fact that we have been redeemed. We have been saved. We have been made new. But we still sin. What, what is going on? Right? Paul picks up on this and talks about it beautifully in Romans 7, right? The good that I want to do, I don't do it. The evil that I don't want to do, I keep doing it. What's going on? And this is Paul, right? This is the guy who should know better. 
He is quite possibly the greatest missionary that God has ever lifted up to serve the church. His letters are amazing things that help us to see all these aspects of life. God chose to work through Paul in great ways, and yet Paul says, that evil stuff I don't want to do, I do it. I don't understand my own actions, he says. As we are understanding our being, ourselves, especially in this walk of faith that we have with God, we're fighting with ourselves. And so, kind of get defeated, right? What's the point? I'm just going to get tempted and I'm just going to fall right back into it. Why even fight it anymore? Who wants to deal with that stress? Well, for those of us in the new life of Christ, we want to deal with that stress. We want to take up our cross and follow Jesus. We want to do good before our Lord. We want to be righteous before our God. So we pursue that righteousness. Where, and where do we find it? Well, we find that God has been given it to us ever since day one. Because this work of the cross, this work of the empty tomb, seems like just one event. And even for, for a bunch of Romans to crucify somebody, that wasn't unheard of. That was, unfortunately, a very regular occurrence. Jesus rising from the dead, of course, that's, that's a big deal, right? But yet it's this one point in time. How could it ever cover anything? Well, it's this God in the flesh who has taken on your sins, my sins, this brokenness where we just, we cannot fix ourselves as hard as we try. We keep failing. So the sin that you're born with is forgiven. The sins that you have committed before Christ claimed you in the waters of holy baptism, forgiven. The sin that you continually fall into, it's forgiven. Because God wants you to be forgiven. God wants you to be made new. God wants you to change. And that's that big part of it too, is change, right? We hear the disciples going out and what are they preaching? They, verse 12 of Mark chapter 6, they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. Repent is one of those churchy words, right? Yeah, we should repent. You should repent. Well, what does repent mean? I have no idea, right? It's because it's one of those churchy words that we don't use too much. But it doesn't mean you go to God and you say, I'm sorry, I repent of my sins, that I'm sorry for my sins. It's not a sorrow thing. Repentance is change. It's making a U-turn. And what's fascinating as I thought about this is flowing from the forgiveness that we have received from God is the desire to repent. And flowing from repentance and change is the desire to continually be forgiven and made new. I want to change. I don't want to struggle with, with these thoughts or these feelings or anything like that. And that leads me to the cross of Christ where I leave my sins there and I walk away forgiven. But also, as I'm walking away forgiven, I'm, I have this mentality of, I need to stop. I don't want to keep coming back and asking for forgiveness. I want to change. I want to be made new. This internal struggle that we have, though, what's fascinating and beautiful is this is where the Holy Spirit is at work the most. Calling you to God's Word, calling you to receive God's gifts and the sacraments, calling you to see the beauty of creation, hear the beauty of God's continual forgiveness. This is where 
It all happens. And then continuing to reflect now in this week of being. The thing is, is this forgiveness and this change leads to new life. Leads to us being God's children. This is where this all leads. And it's a holy life that we live. It's a life of sacrificial living and giving and caring and all this wonderful, beautiful things. But also a life of sin and struggle because it's not easy. Again, if it were easy, it wouldn't be a challenge. Challenges are meant to be hard, meant to push you, meant to break you of those old sinful ways and renew you in the life of Christ. You know, and, and it's, it's so easy to, to fail and to fall because even just think about distractions, right? You're praying and somebody knocks on your door. You're, you're, you're praying and your phone rings, your phone goes off. And, and immediately you've lost your train of thought and, well, I've got to deal with this now. Hold on, God, I've got to take this call, right? Because it's so easy to just get pulled away from this. So it takes a priority in each and every single one of our lives to stop and say, I don't have to take this call. I'm talking to God. To not say, hold on one second to the guy upstairs, but to say, hold on one second to your friend who wants to say hello. And look at how Jesus did it, though. To avoid distractions, to, to avoid so many things in this life, he went by himself. We hear of the, the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. But right at the end of those 40 days in the wilderness is when he was tempted. He was alone for a big portion of those. I, I just Googled it and I just, you know, searched for all the times that Jesus was alone in Scripture. And it's even before big things like feeding the 5,000. To be alone. And then these people follow him and bother them and they say, no, we'll help him. And when, we learn, uh, when Jesus learns of, Bapt of John the Baptist's death, he retreats. He goes to a place by himself to pray. We read here in, in Mark 6, after they've had all of this success, all of this hype and excitement, they're just fired up. Jesus, we did it. We went and we told all these people all this repentance stuff, and we went and we cured all these people of these, de of these demons and these horrible diseases, and they're just on fire. And what does Jesus say? Let's get out of here and go chill out for a little bit. Of course, that's the millennial way of saying it. But he says, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Go hang out in the trees for a little bit. You're overexcited. Just calm down. But even Jesus goes by himself before the cross. Before Jesus faces this ultimate sacrifice, where is he? The Garden of Gethsemane, right? But he is by himself. His, his apostles, his uh, disciples have just kind of abandoned him. They're, they're off sleeping, you know, uh, on a comfortable piece of grass or whatever. While Jesus is, is just sweating and praying to God, asking him to let him not have to do this, but going back and saying, thy will be done. But he's by himself, being with God. And let's be honest, though, we're not Jesus, Right? It's hard for us to be alone. It's hard for us to do those righteous and good things. And for, for many of us, it might be hard to actually be alone, be by yourself. 
It's, it's really hard for me. And it's not like I'm a super extrovert or anything like that, but being alone and in a quiet place is hard because I come from a loud family. As many of you know, you, you like me because you can actually hear me. It's because I've got a loud voice because I come from a loud family, right? There are some families who, when they have fights or arguments, right, it's quiet, it's passive-aggressive. And then there's families like mine. No, we shout it out, right? This is the family I came from. But also, I am my dad's son, and when we listen to music, it's turned all the way up, and that's how I listen to music. You'll see me pulling into church, and the windows will be rattling on my car because I love blasting a good song. Somehow, over the years, my ears have become damaged. I don't know how. Uh, so it's, it's because I, I, I'm dumb. But I have tinnitus now. So I have a constant ringing in my ears, right? So it's hard for me to hear. It's hard for me to be quiet. But then also, as I've shared with you guys, I struggle with depression and anxiety. My brain is, you know, from the effects of sin, is not working like it's supposed to. And when I'm alone, sometimes my thoughts don't go to the best places. It's not just me. I'm not alone in this. It's hard to be by yourself. But yet bringing things back together in doing righteous things. Again, remember, Jesus warns us, be careful, right? But he also, what he's saying in, in this uh, lesson, especially tonight, right? When you're praying, go to a private place, go to your room, close the door and pray in secret, he says, right? Because your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, does that mean that we shouldn't pray in front of the church? No, again, what's the problem? Is others seeing you? But think about it. The, the important part about this, as always, is not about exactly what you're doing, but how are you connecting deeper with God? Prayer is important because it is how you and God talk. Worship is important because it's how we, as brothers and sisters, gather together to hear about the many gifts of God and hear about his love for us. As we look at the other things in being, right, fasting is a very important thing because fasting forces us to rely more fully on God. Okay, so how is being alone important? I guess, I mean, I, I, could, I could be with a bunch of other people like we are right now, and be with God. So why do I have to be alone too? And I think about it like this. You go out for a meal with somebody, and this is definitely something more for my generation, but I'm sure you've either seen it or experienced it. And you go out to a meal with somebody and they're always on their phone. They're just sitting there the entire time. They're on their phone. And, uh, oh, I got, a, I got another text message. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right, so you, how do you feel because of that? you feel kind of worthless. I'm, I'm not worth your time. But yet when you have somebody who will take out their phone and put it face down, that is a huge sign of respect right there. Because they're saying, I'm ignoring this, looking you straight in the eye and giving you my full attention. And how does that make you feel? You feel like a million bucks. You feel like the most important person in the world. Now, I'm not saying that God is so petty or childish as, as he's like, you have to pay attention to me. But 
in a time alone with another person, that focus that you have with that other person shows how you feel about them, shows how you care about them, how, how you are giving of your time to them because they're important to you. This is what being alone with God shows, is that God is important and giving him of your time is important where it's just you and him. Because you know, as, as, we, as we hear in this world, everybody says that money is the most important thing to so many people, but really, I would argue it's time. Where we place our time really shows what we care about. And if you are taking your time, which is a precious commodity for so many, and giving it to someone or something, you're saying, this is what's important to me. And so when we have time that we are spending being God's children, it shows who we are and shows what's important to us. When we're spending time in worship, in, in prayer, in God's word, and especially in being alone with him, we're communicating just how big of a deal this God is to us. And so the challenge then comes for all of us to figure out how to do that, right? How to be alone. For me, like I said, it's hard to be in a quiet place. But also, it's very easy for me to get distracted. So I have to turn off sounds, go for a walk, get away from something. But, and it might be why I love being in nature so much is because it's not silent, right? The birds are chirping, the wind's blowing through the trees, and we have this unreal blessing of the nature center in this town. We are so lucky to have that, because it's gorgeous. But also, it probably is also why I like being in the big cities, because nobody cares as awful as it sounds. Nobody cares about you. They're just, they're on their own track doing their own thing, right? And so you kind of feel alone. It's a, it's a strange, it's a strange thing. But yet in this, you know, I'll be sitting in people watching. And in my, in my head, I'm praying, I'm talking to God, and I'm with Him. Many of you have probably seen me at Tuesdays. I like to go to the signature, and I have a booth that they save for me now, which is kind of cool. But, uh, but I sit there, and I work, and I write, and there's people coming and going, there's all these things happening, but yet I am alone with God. See, and I'm not saying that that is going to work for you. You have to figure out what's going to work for you. It might be that you find those noise-canceling headphones where it shuts out all sound. It might be that you actually have to close your eyes and shut out all distractions like that. But you also need to prioritize it, too. If you're a young parent, you have to communicate that you need time to yourself, and not just to recuperate, but to be with God. If you are a person who's busy at your job, you need to take time to get away. Now, of course, not neglecting your duties, but I remember so many jobs I had, there was always one monotonous job that nobody liked doing that I would do because it was so monotonous. I remember when I was working at a pizza place, it was, it was cutting vegetables for the salad bar, right? And I would just sit there, you know, brain dead. Well, not really brain dead, but, you know, just zoning out and, and cutting vegetables and doing my job. But then I was also with God. I was praying. I, I was thinking about that. But all, I mean, just think about all these, different, all these different walks of life. You who are retired, you who are young and still in school. What I think is that we understand, and what we understand that's most important is how we are being a child of God. 
what we are communicating as we are being that child of God. And what we communicate is what's important to us by how we spend our time and give it to God. You might not be a person who runs off into the wilderness, but you might be the kind of person that gets distracted by every little thing that happens, even at church, right? But the challenge, the challenge for you now is to find how you're going to do it. Not letting yourself get distracted, but letting yourself get lost with God. Amen? Amen. Amen.